Hello, everybody. This is Noah and John, and we are from Urban Digs, and today we're talking Manhattan. John, we're talking rentals. We got David Schlam here. Uh, he is the CEO and founder of City Connections Realty in New York, a dear friend. He is the nicest man in real estate. He is a gentle giant. I, I'm running out of things to say, John. <laughs> well, I'm not going to help you because you've already said quite a bit. Uh, but yeah, David Slam, it's, yeah, I, I'm thrilled to have you on today. So I'm looking forward to you know jumping into the rental market. Pleasure to be here, guys, and uh, appreciate it. And yeah, be happy to share any thoughts yet, any questions that you have. Yeah, we're going to ask some questions, and there, there are there are uh, you know renters, agents, and there's landlords that want to hear what you have to say on the state of the rental market right now in New York City. So, um, David, thank you. Let's just start first, high level. All right, I want to give people an idea of where we came from. So do me a favor and just tell me how bad did it get? All right, how low did we go and when was that and how bad did it get in the rental world? Sure, um, as everyone probably knows, this past year with COVID was the most challenging year and of, of a rental agent or, and also uh, people who own buildings or apartments uh, for rent. It was, um, I've been doing this 32 years now and this was, this was one of a kind. This made 9-11 and the, and the meltdown and 2008-9 look mellow. But to answer your question, um, I believe that the prices were down approximately 30 to 40 percent. And some of that would include concessions that normally landlords wouldn't give. Um, I believe that the vacancy rate, which was good that I think publications made it sound like only six or seven. And then at the end, they started getting it close to right. But I think the vacancy rate was closer to 15 to 20%. Um, and I think a lot of landlords didn't put on if they had, you know, six one bedrooms empty, uh, then the broker would only advertise one or two. So there's a right. lot of shadow inventory. A right. Lot. So this is this was when of last year now. Again, we're painting the darkest picture of right. last year. I would say um, but what I would say in the middle of last year, because what happened was when the pandemic hit and we had a closed showing because we weren't considered an essential service, um, landlords and brokers and renters, we didn't know where the market would end up. So actually in the beginning, there wasn't such a huge discounts. I guess the landlords had to suffer a little bit before, you know, and, and we, we weren't getting inquiries. It just stopped, the phone stopped ringing. So like halfway through the year, it really, really got bad. And when you have an overhang of supply, yeah. you guys know what happens. Right. So just to paint a little picture here, when you say 30 to 40%, that included, that's the net effective. That's the net Correct. effective. So you had your, so if I had to paint an, a picture of breaking it down, just so you can confirm it, would it be like something like 20, 25% of rental rates dropped? And then the additional 10, 15% was probably in some form of concessions. And we all know that was like multiple months rent, et cetera, et cetera. Is that accurate? Absolutely. I saw okay. up, I saw it one time up to six months free on an wow. eight. Wow. Up to six months. But that wasn't the normal. That was um, one off. One off. Yeah. I just out of curiosity, were there any areas or apartment sizes that were hit much more than others? Like say midtown studios were harder hit than say upper west side, two beds or something like that? Studios were hit really hard. Um, the biggest percent uh, decline, I think. But also we have to remember that two, three and four bedrooms um, 
that was just sitting there because you have COVID. Who wants to be living with getting roommates and strangers right. during COVID? We forget that. Mm -hmm. I remember it was so difficult. My broker's telling me for like a three bedroom share was that was just sitting. Uh, one bedrooms were good. And what happened was people traded up. The prices came down so much that they didn't, instead of the studio, they got the one bedroom, but studios got hurt. And there was a few months when the when we were the epicenter of COVID, where just share apartments just sat really fast. Interesting. So, so let me ask you this. At, you know, at, as New York City reopens, and you know, just last week, I think they opened up the vaccine center, so walk-in appointments. So anybody who's over 16 can just walk in and get one. Are you starting to see an uptick in the rental market now in terms of the larger apartments? And just at if you could just give us an overview, where is the rental market now? Sure, sure, sure. So there was a huge uptick starting and started maybe at the very end of February going into March had extremely busy March, lots of deals all over the city, not just at City Connections. And I speak to people all the time. So it got really, really busy. Um, the market right now, what I would say is this. I think people looking right now, the renters are usually 60 to 90 days behind what's happening. So I think people coming in think it's worse than what it is. I would say instead of being 30 to 40% off, it's maybe 20 to 30% off. I would say those landlords that were giving two free months, maybe now they're giving one free month, but there's still a disconnect. We get offers that are just like, just you wouldn't believe it, like 50% off and stuff like that. Um, we need to just, you know, eat up all the extra supply. And I would guess the vacancy rate is close to 10% right now. And remember in a really, really tight market, we're at three quarters of 1% back in the heyday. Right, right, that's right. quite now, a move. I, I, what what needs to happen, David, for for this to change? Like what, like fundamental forces need to change? Do you think? Just a couple of things. We need people to have to be back in the offices because again, you have a lot of young people that moved home and they didn't have to go to the office, so why pay rent? So I think it's important that um, companies start making it mandatory for at least some of the time to be in the office, if not all the time. That's, that's one big thing. And the second thing is just really just chip away at the supply, chip away at the supply and create that supply and demand. Interesting yeah, I think stuff. It's like ground floor retail, right, John? Ground floor retail. I mean, commercial and ground floor retail, the commercial hits on David, but ground floor retail, if that comes back, I would think the rental sector would just reset up to a whole new level. Sorry. I hope so. Listen, it's New York City's, you, one of the things we're known for is diversity of restaurants. And, you know, mm -hmm. I, I sat outside and those little makeshift things on the, you know, Amsterdam and Columbus Avenue the last few months. And uh, it's, it feels kind of weird. Uh, we'll see what happens with those as we go forward. Well, speaking of feeling kind of weird, if I could use that as sort of a, a transition, can you put us into the mind of some of the landlords that you represent? Because I know you have you have relationship with landlords all across the spectrum, from you know small ones to big ones. And I'm just curious how they're viewing the current situation and how they're sort of positioned to sort of move forward uh, into yeah. the future. It was very interesting. Um, I I always say that you can tell uh, people's personalities when they drink too much or when it comes to money. And um, different landlords acted differently. There was some with. 20% vacancy rates, like over 100 units empty. Uh, there were some small landlords with only a couple. Um, the people that I personally deal with, most of them, they're not over leveraged and it's been family portfolios. So they can carry it better. But someone who became a landlord in the last five years, 
especially if it was a rent stabilized building, they got creamed. And we mm -hmm. haven't really seen the damage yet. That's yet to come because everything is just backed up. But that, I think there's a lot of people who are hurting landlords who um, went through this and were over leveraged. And you know, when you build a building, you, you, you sketch out what you're gonna get dollar per square foot. You throw that out the window. Who would have suspected COVID and yeah. 30, 40% down? So um, some of the landlords left apartments empty for a long period of time. They're worried about uh, people seeing things on street easy because that's a mm -hmm. big problem. Um, some just slash prices and said, I'll deal with people who want to renew at a later time. It was really a, a, a mixed bag. So, so this so. over leveraged, I mean, I, I, yeah. I'm a little worried about that. Are we yet, we're yet to see really the, the, I guess the insolvency part of this cycle. I Correct. think that's, um, um, and I guess we'll see how the market absorbs it. Do you, yeah. Are you talking about where we know it? You're talking about seeing the insolvency part of the cycle through sales of multifamily housing through the multifamily buildings? Well, well, I'm just imagining small landlords, um, um, you know, anyone that has, I guess, rental property in Manhattan that that's over levered um, on the rental side and, and had it vacant or whatever. How long could you keep it up for? I mean, mm -hmm. I guess I guess the larger companies can somehow figure out a way to roll it over. Um, and I think the smaller to middle kind of I don't know, David, you're in a better position to talk about this. than me. Yeah. The smaller so. landlords are got hurt more. And especially, again, I'll uh, go back to if I bought a building with 10 units and I, you know, put my life savings as a deposit and I was going to work it, you had, you know, rent stabilization, you had MCI, you had vacancy increases. Boy, are they in trouble between the rent regs change in 2019 and what just happened, you know, getting in one third less income. So that, that person is really, really in trouble. So that rent regulation, I mean, that's the thing yeah. we haven't talked about today. We've been talking about this. People need to understand that this market, we've seen some policy changes, right? And it, and it, rent regulations, that was the killer, right, David? Yeah, there was, there was big changes. And there's some I'd like to mention to you that may be coming. Um, in June of 2019, it was decided that um, a landlord could no longer work a building like he or she planned to as the last hundred years. You would renovate an apartment when it became empty. You would get nice increases. Um, when someone left, there, would, there was a 20% vacancy increase. There's all sorts of rules that came into effect. Uh, not good for the landlord, uh, very bad for the landlord. And a couple of things that may happen is there's so many incentives that have been given to potential tenants this year. Who knows what's going to be next with, you know, the current crew in Albany. They could interpret the free months as that's permanent now. They could, um, there's all sorts of things that can happen. The latest thing that's on the table, which is scary to me, and I'm not a landlord, I just don't think it's fair, is on decontrolled units, there's talk about almost stabilizing them where a landlord can only get a 3% increase. Now, if I'm a landlord and I, I, I slash my rents 30%, and it can only allow a 3% increase, I'm in trouble. And so this didn't hope, happen yet. This is talk of this, correct? This is talk of this, yes. There's just been so many things. Uh, you know, Again, I've been doing this for 32 years and uh, things for brokerage owners, uh, a lot of things changed and, and, and for landlords. There's been more changes the last couple of years yeah. out of the blue than I've ever seen. And I expect yeah, I, what to happen. No, and it's interesting, David, and you sort of paint a, a, a somewhat distressing picture on the landlord scene. And it almost makes me think that 
we've seen what the worst can be in terms of rents and people in the city as you know when COVID hit and the lockdown came and the, the industry came to a stop right rents are dropping in, in your opinion 30 to 40 percent like that's pretty bad and then we have we we paint this kind of bleak picture on the regulation side that okay rents are down but now you're not gonna be able to to, to raise them and i'm curious as this works itself through on the sales side in terms of how these buildings are trading is this the opportunity are we in it right now yes we haven't seen buildings quote for sale at a big discount maybe some quiet things that don't hit the market per se again i don't think that that's happened i think everyone's trying to uh, i won't call it retrade but to negotiate with banks and mortgages and investors and capital calls and all these things so the answer is i don't think there's much available now but i believe that there's still a lot of money parked on the side um that would be able to pick this up. And, you know, you read about every other day about, you know, all these new funds coming in, you know, for distressed real estate. Um, I don't think they're buying it, but they're ready. Yeah. And, and I remember, yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, please. No, I was going to say, and I remember, you know, the, the conversation with a lot of folks back in June was that, yes, the vacancy rate is up and it's above this historical threshold, which was required for that 1947 post-war housing emergency so if we're staying above that for an extended period of time, perhaps it could trigger some sort of, you know, uh, decontrol or destabilization. I don't think that's necessarily going to happen, but that could be an interesting conversation. I mean, New York just lost a house seat because the, the census shrank a little bit. So as the population shrinks and the housing supply sort of opens up, I wonder if that, that could trigger any sort of um, shakeup to the good side for landlords. I, I hope so. I think, uh, you know, this, uh, this past year seemed like open season against brokers and landlords. And uh, listen, there's bad brokers, there's bad landlords, there's good brokers, and there's, there's good landlords. Um, it was just, it was almost like a rite of passage for the renters, the, just the whole attitude. And also one other huge challenge was that uh, they came out with a law that brokerage companies can only take a $20 max application processing fee. And so what's happened with you have a soft market and then you have people putting in applications on multiple apartments because they, now they say to themselves, instead of losing, let's say, $100 per application, now they're losing just $20. So they say, what the heck? I'll, I'll do that. And that's killed a lot of deals, too, where I've had people with lease signing scheduled and like 10 minutes before they call up and say, we, do, we, we got something else, you know. Wow. But we're slowly getting out of that. Business is still good. Um, as far as the activity and it's busy, but, you know, I feel bad for the brokers. They, you guys worked really hard during this. You had all sorts of rules and regulations. You had to wear, you know, protective gear, um, during scary times. And, um, it was, it was not fun for anyone. Yeah, no, I, it wasn't, but I mean, you know, I just want to touch on that opportunity that you guys were talking about just a minute ago. I mean, there has not been a purge yet. Right. And you said there's the, there's been very few of those types of deals. There's so much distressed money sitting on the sidelines. I mean, what happens if there's a little stock market pickup? I'm just I'm just saying here, are those is that going to be when the water runs out and the leverage, you know, and the tide goes out and now we see who's swimming naked? I mean, like I'm, people hold on when the reflation's in full year, which it has been up to this point. I mean, let's just let's just be real. We're at record prices in the equity markets, right? I mean, everything is just, we're at the top of the wave, right? What yeah. happens if that goes out? Will that purge? 
that you're talking about now all of a sudden occur. And if that's the case, is the distressed money that's looking for that opportunity, is that window potentially just around, you know, at some point in the future? I'm just saying, that's all you need is one change in, in, the, in the formula and the ingredients to trigger something like that. You know? Yeah, they. Uh, I don't think new money wants to put a lot of new money into today's stock market because it is um, highly leveraged, overvalued, whatever you want to call it. Um, it has to correct. And so that maybe, uh, yeah, if the stock market changes dramatically, um, they could switch more to buying stocks at a discount. Absolutely. It, it, it's a, such a contrarian play. I mean, I'm saying if the rent, investing in the rental sector for New York City right now, given everything that we talked about, given the fact that it has not really come back, it has not appreciated. I mean, look what suburban housing markets have done. You know what I'm saying? Look at what they've done. We right. went the other way and got killed and we're kind of slowly recovering from the bottom. The sales market's doing much better than the rental sector. You, know, you would think the rental sector would get dragged up by the sales sector. It's, it's maybe a little, but it's not. But wait till you wake up one day and those rents start going up, which again, I don't... Maybe a year and a half from now, which is my next question is, when does that happen? When It'll does... happen. You know, it's interesting. I speak to um, uh, different landlords and everyone's got different opinions. There's one landlord that owns 40 buildings that believes this summer that things are going to still stay very active. Supply is going to be eaten up and price is going to go up this summer, you know, more than five or 10 percent. Um, I'm not in that camp. I think it needs another full year to get into 2022 before that happens. We also know there's not many rental buildings in the pipeline. So, um, you know, it's hard to get financing to build a, a rental building with, you know, these type of rates that, that we're getting. So, um, you know, again, if, if no new supply comes on and we just eat up the supply, then it's all about supply and demand. That's what it is. Interesting stuff. If I could now shift from the rental market to sort of you know, on the brokerage side of things. I mean, David, you, sure. you have built an amazing firm in City Connections. It's uh, one of the, it's respected throughout the industry of being one of the great, a great place to work. You, you of course have the reputation as being the nicest guy in real estate. And I'm just curious, I mean, listen, you've seen brokers come, you've seen brokers go. You, what are the, in your mind with, with, with your sort of, you know, looking back, what are the secrets to the, to the brokers that, that are the secret to their success, if you have any? Sure, I actually do a couple of things. Number one, and I talk about this all the time, the number one thing is hard work. I think a lot of, I'm sounding like an old guy, but a lot of younger people getting the business, you know, they don't work as hard, most don't. It's very, you know, internet, you know, sending emails and stuff like that. You know, my previous career, I was in children's apparel in the mid eighties and I would take a suitcase and walk around into stores. I mean, that was hard work. Um, so hard work is important, very important. And you gotta get out of your comfort zone. That's the other thing. Do you go to as many events as possible? These, these brokers at the big name firms that earn seven figures, the big difference between them and someone not doing that is their Rolodex. They know more people. They join the country clubs. They, they socialize. They do that. Not something I like to do personally, but this is what you need to do. And the second or third most important thing is how are you taking a punch? You have a couple of deals go bad. The real winners with great attitudes, they say next, or maybe they grudge about it for 24 hours and they realize that you know feeling sorry for themselves is counterproductive and many people don't take a punch well they get all messed up 
when a deal goes bad, especially one that took a long time and they were counting on that commission. Um, so taking a punch is really important. Well, that, that is such fantastic advice. John, we've, we've, we've had some punches before. <laughs> I have <laughs> too. Yeah. And let me ask, how were you talking to your agents, David, back in at the, at, during the lockdown when there was really not much to do? I mean, yes, you could work hard, but you had to do it from home. You had to do it on Zoom and you weren't making any money for the foreseeable future because everything was shut down. I, what I, kind of things were you saying to inspire them? I did the David Schlamm thing. I talked to them as people rather than brokers. I mean, if the phone's not ringing, no one wants to move. You know, I'm not going to, some of the bigger companies had Zoom meetings every day and rah, 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 and keep in touch with people. So yeah, I said, keep in touch with people. And I just, you know, I did things like um, make phone calls to your family and friends, non-business things, uh, do things, spend some time doing things maybe you wanted to do. Um, at one time, also the comp I offered, if anyone needs money for rent or food, um, I'm happy to advance that. I did do that. Only one person took me up on it, thank goodness. But uh, I just really wanted to manage their, their heads because this was so beyond their control and to keep them a little grounded. But I didn't do what I think is the, the rah, rah, rah every day. I think, I think people don't want to hear that. Well, this is why this is why the people that are with you stay with you and love you. So this is um, David Schlamm. Thank you so much for for 20 minutes of your time um, to give us insight into the New York City rental sector. Um, this has been invaluable stuff. So um, founder and CEO of City Connections Realty, David Schlamm. That is John Walkup over there. I am Noah Rosenblatt. We're both from Urban Digs. This has been Talking Manhattan, and we'll catch you next time. Thank you.